welcome back to another episode of the Peaceful Body Podcast. I am your host, Inez Bai, as you are joined with every single week. And I'm also a health and mindset coach, helping you to let go of anxiety so that you can find peace in your mind, body, and soul, and let that have a positive ripple effect in every area of your life. Today, I have an interview with one of my past clients and also a psychologist and is now studying to be a psychotherapist, the beautiful Aoife, all the way from Ireland. So I'm really excited for you to be listening in on this conversation. We chat about, obviously, psychology, psychotherapy. We talk about attachment styles, relationships, astrology, and more. So it's a really juicy episode, and I'm keen to hear what you have to think. Just a quick couple of announcements. I feel like there is a lot going on just wrapping up for the end of 2020, but there is still time left. And I'm really excited that if you're listening to this episode as on the day that it drops on the 16th of December on Wednesday, I am hosting the last free masterclass for the year. It's called Making Uncertainty Your Bitch. And it's all about letting go of your fear and self-doubt so that you can move forwards and take a leap, even if you don't know exactly how things are going to pan out. Because what I found with all of my clients and even in my own journey is that I would always let this fear of the uncertainty, the unknown of not being in control, hold me back from doing the things that I really wanted to do. And when we can let go of needing to know all the nitty gritty details, we can start to take messy action and actually get closer to achieving what we want. So whether you're wanting to upgrade your mindset, um, create better relationships, call in more opportunities, change your money mindset, whatever it is, this masterclass is going to be so good for you. So definitely come along and join. Even if you've been to one of my masterclasses before, this one is going to be totally new and different. I'm going to be chatting a few tips and tools and techniques that you can use in your daily life and also to just wrap up 2020 in a really positive way and set yourself up so that you can put the right foot forwards as we enter the new year. So just click the note in the um, the note, just click the link in the show notes and make sure that you enter your email address in. And if you have any problems with finding how to join the masterclass, send me a DM on Instagram. It's at Inez by. It's also linked in the show notes as well. And I can give you the link via the DMs if that is easier. So I will see you at the masterclass tonight. Enjoy this episode. As per usual, it really helps to support the podcast. If you take a screenshot and share it onto your stories, make sure that you're following us, make sure that you're subscribed, leave a rating and review. You're the best. Speak to you soon. Hello, hello, Aoife. Welcome to the Peaceful Body Podcast. I am so excited to be interviewing you today. I was literally just reminiscing on, I don't know, when we first were connected and, you know, somewhere on the social media world. And I was just reminiscing on how you have been a part of my like very close world of the past year. You've done Peaceful Body, Peaceful Soul, and now Abundance, which is all of my like three signature programs. And I am just so excited to be bringing you on the podcast to talk, you know, obviously about your experience of working with me, but mainly about all of the wisdom that you have to share because obviously you've got your um, degree in psychology. I'll get you to explain. Um, you've got your incredible Instagram account. I just think that there's so much that you have to offer and I'm really excited to have you on here. So how are you? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm tired, but happy. Yeah, you're a busy gal. I feel like this time of the year, I mean, I feel like we, this is such a tired old saying, isn't it? Like December such this yeah. time of the year, it's crazy, but like it actually is. And I feel like, especially, yeah. I, mean, I don't know about where you're from, which I'll get you to introduce, tell us all the dirty dates. Well, not the dirty dates. I always say yeah. that when, as if I'm <laughs> like really extra. Um, but like here in Sydney, it's like, we've gone from being in lockdown, but we've been kind of normal the past couple of months, but like the past couple of weeks for me have been like real big social events. And I just like having two of those on the weekend, I'm wiped for the rest of the week afterwards. So I feel like it's just like, we're not used to it. So like suddenly going into December feels really like hardcore and, and hectic. Is that, and I feel like, I mean, do you want to tell us where you're from and like give us a little bit of like a update on how it feels where you're at at the moment especially given this this year that we've had yes of course so I'm 27 and I'm from Ireland I live in Dublin I've grown up in Dublin um and at the moment December is pretty wild um we're out of lockdown now I think about like a week or two and we have not been normal for the past couple of months mm -hmm. um at all so everybody is just sort of they've sort of just let us not let us loose but December is such a huge time here and we're kind of like 
horses in the traps getting ready to run a race like everybody was waiting to get out of lockdown so they could go and do their christmas shopping and go to restaurants and do this and do that and see each other um so there's just this real chaotic vibe at the moment and even in the the city well city in inverted commas um even in the city there's people are everywhere but everyone is is tense and like i don't know it's like dodgeball or <laughs> do you know um everyone's avoiding each other and yeah it's a strange vibe it's so intense it's so strange mm, it is such a different vibe especially christmas time is normally about coming together so does the city still feel christmasy mm. It does. Yeah. Like parts of it does. And we have lights everywhere and it's really beautiful. And I think everybody's made an extra effort to, you know, put lights up everywhere, even in like the, the town where I'm from, like in the little village, there's lights everywhere, which has never happened before. They've done the whole village all the way up the street in lights. And then they've put speakers in the street. So they have piped music. Yeah. Playing like during the day while you're walking around. It's so lovely. Um, but I actually took a step back from Christmas last year and I hadn't the headspace to one, like think about why. Um, and then so I said to my family and my friends and stuff, I was like, oh, I'm going to do Christmas and I'll be there, but I'm just going to take a step back because it's not really aligning with me, I suppose. And I didn't know why. And this year, I just it just clicked with me last week that I feel like this time of year is such a mindless time of year and I'm so mindful. And so I so easily get overwhelmed by the mindless because I'm surrounded by it. You know, I just feel like it's such a mindless time for the collective. And I'm just not mindless at all. <laughs> so I just don't think me and Christmas hold hands in that way. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to get around that, but I'm sure I'll figure out a way. Yeah, I kind of get what you mean, like with this whole idea of the silly season. And I guess I yeah. observe from my corporate friends more than anything, because obviously being a solo business owner, it's not like I'm going to heaps of, I mean, I've had a few Christmas parties here and there, but it's not like this big Christmas parties and winding down. And I guess what you're saying and what I'm getting from the mindless time of year is just like this real sense of like, oh, like throw in the towel. It's the end of the year and let's just drink and let's not really take care of ourselves as well as we normally would and kind of just say expected to say yes to a lot of social situations, which then lead you feeling like really burnt out. And then you're not prioritizing things that do make you feel good. Like, is that what you mean by mindless? A hundred percent. And also the pressure to get people gifts, but yeah. like nobody's really thinking about what we're doing, why we're doing it. You know, they're running into a store and they're being like, I need these boots in a size seven for this person. Like get me these immediately. And they get all stressed if like the, you know, sales assistant doesn't have the size and they're like, well, why don't you have the size? And I just wish people would stop and think, okay, but why are you getting these boots? Like there's somebody that you really love. <laughs> Can we just appreciate the fact that there's someone you really love that you want these boots for? That's why you're getting the boots. It's not, it's not the boots, it's the person. And like, there'll always be something else you can give the person, even if it's just yourself, you know? Totally. And making that the celebration in and of itself, like more than anything this year, I think we have really been given a moment to appreciate actually being able to be in person with people. And I know probably some people even listening to this podcast may not be able to see their families or friends over Christmas. Like I know I have one of my friends in Switzerland and she said that she's just going to have to be having Christmas on her own. And like, you know, that's not the most exciting thing at all. And so for those of us that are able to spend time with our families, it's like really focusing on that and that quality time and not putting so much pressure on yourself to be getting the perfect present or to be making even the Christmas lunch perfect or whatever, like just really allowing mm -hmm. yourself to be fully present because worrying about all of these other expectations, that's the thing that stops you from being present and mindful. Yeah, for sure. And like my nan, I haven't seen my nan properly, like and sat down and had a conversation with her proper convo in, well, I have on FaceTime because she's kind of techie and she's kind of cool. Ooh, but um, I haven't seen her properly in, yeah, she is a cool nan. She's amazing. <laughs> um, and I haven't seen her properly in like three months or something. And apparently she's coming to our home on Christmas Eve, um, as in my parents' home on Christmas Eve. But um, I'm going to have to wear a mask and I'm going to have to sit like far away mm. um you know so it's still definitely not like it's it's not over yet um so it's yeah it's nice to see when people can spend time with their families and stuff for sure it's it's not about the boots it's not <laughs> about the boots you know and I can understand like people you know fear does funny things to people people mm. get caught up in 
you know, they react to things different in different ways and they do, they get caught up in the smaller things, sometimes just out of pure fear. You know, if, if I get the boots, at least I can control the boots, mm. you know, I get it. There's something more going on behind the boots. Of course there is, but I feel like everybody just needs to take a deep breath and realize what actually matters. Do you know? Yeah. Connection and quality. I keep saying, yeah, I keep saying, do you know, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, are people going to understand what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Blending classic, classic Irish gal. No, I <laughs> Blending love a few I words love, together like, at once. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love like everything. Like when we were coaching and I would always get like the, um, the Irish slang, I guess, from you of like, buzzing, yeah. like what else? Gas. That's gas. Yeah. Buzzing. It. Gas. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> classic it's so good now people will will vibe it's all good um yeah I guess what I was gonna say is well let's talk about your background a little bit like you what you've studied where you're at now I know you also spent some time in Australia if you want to talk about that a little bit um yeah give us a little bit Mm -hmm. of a rundown yeah amazing so I did my first degree (laughs) <laughs> lol in um I started in 2010 and finished in 2014 so I got a bachelor of science in veterinary nursing and then I knew that I didn't want to be a veterinary nurse and I didn't really know why mm. um I just knew that the vibes weren't for me and the teamwork was tough um there was a lot of I don't know there's a lot a lot a lot of issues in that industry that still need fixing even though it's a beautiful industry and people do amazing work it just wasn't it just wasn't for me and then I went to drama school for two years um I got an audition and I quit my job and I went and it was amazing and then I worked in insurance for a while I've been working in retail as well for what feels like forever yeah um, and I've just gotten out of retail and it feels so good Aww, um yeah thank you. Um, so yeah, I went to drama school for two years, worked in insurance for a little bit to save, to go to Australia for a year. So I was in Melbourne from late 2017 to August of 2018. I came home slightly early um, just to start my hate dip in psychology, which I have just qualified in. So I'm now a psychologist, which is, and I've just gone into my hate dip in counseling and psychotherapy. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go the therapist route for the next four years, which is a long road, but I'm so excited and I just adore every second of it. It's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally like it. And we'll definitely link your Instagram in the show notes. Cause it's all the, the juicy nuggets on there. And I think like, did you go straight from school to uni into um, a science degree? Yeah. I literally had yeah, this. I did. Yeah. yeah. And I went in, I was seven. Sorry. I think it's a bit I was 17. Lag. Um. Oh yeah. Oh, probably is. No, that's okay. Goodness, you go. North versus South Hemisphere. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I did. I went in in 2010, so I was 17. Um. So I was so young. So so young. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy I literally had this thought you know. today about how like normalize. I mean, I don't. And this could be different, you know, because obviously we're on different sides of the world. But like to re- to be have this pressure. For, like when I left school, there really wasn't. Like, obviously I could have chosen to not go to uni, but I didn't feel like there was this choice. I was like this unspoken expectation of like, you should go to uni. And I ended up doing an arts degree, which is a fine degree to do, but it's not really even moving me towards a specific vocation. I mean, it taught me certain things and obviously it's shaped me into the person I am today. So I don't regret it per se, but I would love to see this idea of like normalizing, not knowing what you're going to do straight out of school, like normalizing, giving more things a go rather than just being like, well, just go to uni and like, you know, don't think about it. And you know, when you're 19 or 18 or 17, like I went to uni when I was 17 too. And I don't know how it works in Ireland either, but in Australia, we've got HEX, which is where you just put the um, school fees in like a low interest bank fee that the government just pays or whatever. I don't don't really know how it works, but you don't really think about that when you're 18 (laughs) Then you approach 30 and you start having Mm. this HEX debt and like, it's the best debt to have kind of thing. But like, I just feel Mm. like if there was more choice and maybe more of like an expanded horizon out of like, when you leave school maybe trying some other things or maybe thinking about what you want to do or like if you want to go and work in retail for a while or I don't know whatever it is like I just did you feel like you had a similar experience as well 110 percent, and we were in the middle of a recession as well and I feel like my my parents are great but I feel like their generation is so caught up in stability and you know pick a job and stick to it 
And I think like, that's fair enough. Do you know, when you're trying to earn money and put food on the table, I can understand why people are, um, are the, the way that they are. But I just feel like life is so short. Imagine mm. just picking one thing when you could pick a thousand and you can have a thousand if you want a thousand. Like you, you can literally have it all if you want it. It's there for you. So why would I be picking one thing, you know? Um, but because we were in a recession, everybody, everybody was like, you know, there's no money in this country. You need to get into college. You need to get yourself a job. Um, the recession was scary times. Um, yeah, my, my family were affected pretty badly. So I can see where everybody was coming from. But as a 17-year-old hearing that, that scarcity mindset it trains mm. me <laughs> to carry that with me and it's only now that I'm able to to try and get rid of that but it's been 10 years which is a long time for sure and you just are programmed to think like that and you know when before you're really like self-aware you don't know that you can choose different thoughts and beliefs so you just kind of go with what's modeled right ahead from you and and as I've always said like obviously it'd be ideal if we just kind of like had this nice journey where we can figure out oh okay I'm gonna give myself time and space to figure it out but often our real life circumstances are not like that so that's what I love about your mm-hmm. journey as well is that you've had all these like kind of different pathways that you've taken go, you know going into veterinary sciences or whatever it's called and drama and then now you're in psychology which is obviously very aligned for you so how do you give yourself like the permission you know, almost to do those different things. Because I hear a lot from my clients as well that they, their parents too are like, well, you should settle down. You should follow through with this job or, and I don't know if you've heard this a lot from your friends at the moment, but I feel like with COVID, so many people that I've been speaking to clients as well really don't like their jobs. And they've realized that because there's been almost like no escape from it all year. So what would your advice be to someone if they're like, okay, I I really don't like where I'm at at the moment. It's really not lighting me up. I don't know why, but I really want to change. What would your advice be on that? Yeah. Um, I really had to train my brain into not being affected by what other people say Mm -hmm. and other people's advice. And I always knew, knew that, you know, my parents, for example, they're so to do this and do that because that something will happen to you, you know, if you don't follow this specific thing that they've set out for you. But I just always taught myself to remember that, okay, fair enough if they have that advice, but they don't have to live my life. Like they're not in my body. They are not in my brain and it's all well and good. Somebody telling you to, you know, get up and go to work every day. Um, but they have it easy because they're not the ones doing that. Mm. You know, they can turn around and say like, oh, you should keep your job. It's really stable. So get up and go to work every day. And you could be like, yeah, sure. But you're the only one there. <laughs> you're the only one sitting at your desk or on the shop floor or, you know, with clients and stuff. You're, you're literally there. Your parents aren't there with you and the other people around you aren't there with you like nobody else has to live your life it's your life is yours it's no one else's yeah you know totally and and that's so important to remember and so often we really crave that validation from other people but if we don't ever validate ourselves and our decisions then it's so futile and like you because if you can Mm. do everything that someone tells you to do Say, for example, like your mom's like, okay, well, you've got to do this. And then, you know, that would be best for you. And then she might still say to you, oh, you're doing the right thing. But within you, if it doesn't feel in alignment, it's, and you don't believe in what you're doing and you don't, you know, you don't know why you're doing it, then it doesn't matter what anyone else says to you anyway. So that's why like taking on board people's advice as like the law is so, can be so energy draining and like not, yeah, just not like leading you to I mean listening to your intuition ultimately yeah for sure like your mind knows what they want and your body knows what they want you know so follow it like I remember when I was in veterinary and I got on with like everybody really well and my patients were great and my clients were lovely like there was no problems there but like I just wasn't loving it and it didn't when I got up to go to work every day I was just kind of like I'm sort of just doing this to keep everyone else happy and there's just no point there's no point we only get one trip like yeah live for yourself always oh my gosh always and I feel like there's this real big sense of obligation almost so like for you especially I can imagine that if there was like this recession and you've gone to uni and like you've gotten this degree like 
I'm now obligated. I'm so lucky to get this job and I'm obligated to kind of see this through and I should be grateful for this position that I have, which Mm. I can totally relate to as well. But you can be grateful for something and also know that it's okay to let it go because if you stay in something that isn't truly right for you, and I say that kind of with... um, an air of caution as well, because sometimes you need to do things that are a bit of a bridging job, you know, especially like, you know, whilst you're at uni, you might be doing a job that isn't like your purpose, but it's still allowing mm. you to get to where you want to be. Like not everything has to be this like magical in alignment, soul purpose thing that you're doing as well. However, forcing yourself to do something that really, really does not light you up at all is not doing any favors for anyone. Like, yes, maybe you'll like your patients and you'll like, like, and this was a similar experience to me when I worked as an exercise physiologist. I got along with everyone. I was really good at the job. It was secure. Yeah. But me staying there because I felt obligated to do so because I'd done the degree because I was good at it was stopping someone else from being in that position and, and who really wanted to be in that position and give the patient mm-hmm. an even better experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I feel like all of the observations that you make are really important as well. Like when you're in a job that doesn't align with you, if you're feeling sad or if you're feeling frustrated or if you're feeling annoyed, like all of those kind of negative emotional experiences push you into something better. But I feel like so often people just pass that, those feelings off as being ungrateful and I don't know where I don't know where we we Mm. started linking negative emotions with lack of gratitude but it needs to stop because it's so can I use the word toxic (laughs) I don't like the word toxic but it is it's toxic it's it's not okay to link your sadness to for example to like lack of gratitude if you're feeling sad it's for a very important reason it deserves to be aired and looked at you know yeah, it's not yeah. just because you're like so, ungrateful and you're not thankful for where you are. You can you can be sad and like angry and frustrated and still be thankful for where you are. Like totally. Yeah, I, I know what you mean with the word toxic. It's such an interesting one that gets yeah. thrown around so much. And I think so many people throw around like, oh, that person's toxic as if it's like a category yeah. that someone can just fit into. Do you want to explain that? Maybe? Yeah. I- I guess I I just feel like for me it feels like a big word but maybe that's Mm. just me projecting onto the word something bigger than it is um I I feel like it's one of those overused words that people are now beginning to hate um and yeah we throw it around so freely like this person's toxic or that situation is toxic um we just we need some new language I do I laugh because sometimes the English language is so limited and there are so many other languages in the world that are so much more expansive and I get so frustrated when I'm trying to find a word for something that I'm feeling and I can't I can't search for it in English but um yeah toxic is a funny one isn't it yeah well I think it just really boxes in experiences or people in in a way that isn't always helpful for growth like to define a person Mm as toxic like maybe an event can maybe be like you know a a certain situation may have been toxic in that moment but that doesn't mean every single time you go back to that situation it's always going to be toxic same with a person like you're the way that you related to each other may have been toxic in that certain environment but kind of throwing a blanket statement that a person is toxic can really um it kind of allows you to play the victim in a way of and not saying that like if someone's done harm to you you need to take responsibility for it but it's kind of just like okay well that happened with this situation calling that person toxic I feel like it's just like a way to like funnel out I don't want to like victim blame other people you know what I'm trying to say yeah for sure I feel like maybe reframing it that their behavior was toxic might be more helpful you know um because we all have toxic behaviors we all do silly things and you know there's always things like nobody's perfect and everybody makes mistakes and sometimes our behavior can cost us a lot like you know friendships or relationships or um other things but yeah maybe not labeling the person as toxic and the behavior as toxic yeah and it's more you know aligned I think it's just being clearer with what you're actually saying you know, instead of just being yeah. like, well, this person is toxic. It's like, well, what do you actually mean by that? Instead of just saying something yes. that you've read on Instagram that sounds cool. Cause it's so yeah. buzzwordy. <laughs> like what do you actually yeah, it is. when you say a person is toxic or what, what do you, what do you, what do you feel like? But what is that person making you feel? Cause then that actually fosters an environment for like, okay, how would I respond differently to this situation? Obviously if someone is treating you badly, 
that is not your fault, but how can you learn from that so that it doesn't happen the next time or so that you can see the early warning signs and not in a place again of blaming yourself or being like, well, I regret that or I should have done differently. It's like, no, forward thinking. Okay. What can I do differently next time? What can I learn from this situation so that I can be better armed against it or or however you want to frame it? Yeah. I'm wondering as well if toxic is a way to is it like our mind's way of not doing the work? Because Mm. if we say the person is toxic, that's kind of this final line drawn. Whereas if we start saying things like their behavior is toxic, then you have to explore and you have to say, okay, well, what about their behavior was toxic? Mm. And, you know, why did I react the way that I did? Or why did I respond the way that I did? Because those two things are different. Um, yeah. And you have to really think about it and explore it. Whereas if you just label the person as toxic, your brain or your mind doesn't have to do any any cell searching or any self-development work around the issue, you know? So I wonder if, if there's that element of it as well. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think in a way, especially if you have been in a situation or a relationship that has made you feel less than calling someone toxic Mm. almost gives you a sense of like power and like, well, I'm better than that person. Yeah. I can understand. You know, I've definitely probably said that in the past. I can't think of a specific situation, but in a way it's like, well, I was treated badly. So therefore, if I call them this, then it makes me feel better. And at the end of the day, like we are all on equal like playing systems. And like what you said, if we solely blame one person, it's just about taking the blame away from anyone. It's no one's fault that the situation happened the way that it did. And I know a lot of people will be like, no, but it definitely is like this partner or this person or this parent or whatever, which I get, but like blaming that person doesn't actually help us and we can be upset that the fact that things may have happened to us or whatever but then also thinking about okay well what can I do for myself to move forwards and to learn from the situation yeah for sure I can totally understand why you know initially or the initial aftermath somebody might just put put a person in the toxic Mm. box and leave them there for a while because they might not have the headspace to sort of tackle the deep-rooted stuff that happened um but I definitely think as time goes on and we we heal a little more and we start to feel a little bit better, it's probably best to try and hone in on, you know, what the toxic traits are and explore those for ourselves so that we can move forward and be. be oh, did I lose you? We're I back, think you're I think. back. I'm yeah. back. Okay, amazing. <laughs> um. Yeah, for sure. It's all, it's all about, I mean, it's all a learning experience. And then we have to make sure, of course, that we are allowing ourselves to be human beings and having fun with it and that we're not a constant ongoing project. So tell us, what has been your, yeah. I guess, like from your, um, so what do you have in psychology? A HDIP, did you say? Yeah, so it's a HDIP. So it's a higher diploma, yes. But it's uh, equivalent to a degree. Um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of the bridge between a degree and a master's. So it's still like a level eight, I guess, on the framework here. So my degree, like my Bachelor of Science in Veterinary Nursing, is the same level as my HDIP in psychology, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. So it's basically a degree, yeah. So I know this is probably a big question, but maybe just answer with whatever comes first to mind. When you reflect okay. on that year, or I mean that that degree that you well, on the, mm-hmm. the HDIP that you did on the thing, yeah, what, yeah. What were some of the key things that you learned that stood out to you that you feel like, you know, more people you wish more people knew? Oh my goodness. Okay, I love this question. There's so much though. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> um, so the thing that jumps out at me, believe it or not, is like attachment oh yeah and all of the yeah and all of the useful things that psychology has to offer that the rest of the world don't know about and probably should um I see it's funny actually because I see things kind of make it to mainstream every so often and attachment is Mm. it's floating around in the clouds above our heads at the moment like it's definitely people are definitely starting to notice it more. Um, And development has always been kind of, I think, a conversation among people, but there's sort of a nice new angle on it at the moment. It's evolving. I suppose everything evolves. Um, But I feel like everybody should, should delve a lot deeper into things like attachment and their own inner workings and how their own relationships work. Because I feel like once you do that and you do that work, your relationships just flourish, you know, it's so important. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Like at learning, I read the attachment 
theory, the attached book earlier on this year. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was going through a bit of, I was ending a, a situationship, shall we call it? And um, reading that book, honestly, like it just affirmed everything that you already know. Like when you're, when you are ending a relationship, you know, often like why you're ending it. Because sometimes you can start to doubt Mm. yourself or feel guilty or whatever it is. And so to be able to learn that, like if I, if I had learned that even like five years ago, I mean, I only really, I learned about it maybe like two years ago and I was doing like independent study on it and then actually read the book. But for me, yeah. as, as you know, I, I identify, I identify, I am like in the anxious attachment theory, although I definitely say I've been doing a lot of work to be more secure. Um, mm. And it's played out in so many areas of my life. And it's because I didn't know the knowledge of it because, you know, emotional intelligence and self-awareness is really, it's, it's not taught at all at schools. It's really something that you have not to learn at all. Yourself. But if I have known like the way that my attachment style plays out, which is basically that when I feel under threat, I would protest. Like I can think of so many situations <laughs> with my family, with my friends, with um, past partners, everything like that, where I have protested and I've tried to get someone's attention in a really roundabout way because that was the only way I knew or I thought was available to me. Whereas like learning about my attachment theory, it's more like, okay, underneath that feeling of being like defensive or feeling threatened is actually a need that you just have to dig Mm. a little bit and then you can communicate it to that person. And then you can actually both like meet in the middle or sometimes not. And then, you know, okay, filter that person out. So I, yeah, it it is so life-changing and there's actually so much evidence to support it as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and also I've always been a spiritual doll. So I've always loved like crystals and oracle cards and astrology ever since I was like a tiny, a tiny child. Um, and I've really noticed that in the psychology world um, and in the counseling and psychotherapy world, a lot of therapists are quite holistic like that. And it's really mm. nice to see. Um, there are, of course, so it's interesting because there are a lot of people that sort of discredit that because, you know, psychology is, is the science and Mm -hmm. all of this other heebie-jeebie stuff isn't. Um, But I had a really interesting conversation there a couple of weeks ago with one of my facilitators on my course. And I was saying how, even if astrology is just in order to figure our own life out, I think that's amazing. (laughs) The fact that we are using the stars in front of us as a vehicle to take care of ourselves and develop ourselves and lay all of our cards out on the table. I'll take it. Even if it isn't real, I feel like the fact that we do that is just, is so amazing. It's so fascinating. And we've been doing that for thousands of years. We've been looking at the stars to try and figure our own lives out. Mm. And I just think, I just think that's amazing. And I love that. And I really don't, I don't kind of, I used to think like, Oh, maybe it's not real and whatever. But like, if I can use it as a vehicle, it's exactly, I was just about to say that. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. The fact that I'm able to use the stars in front of me to figure myself out and journal, like I literally journal on stars. (laughs) I will continue to do that till the day I die. I think that's amazing. You know? I love that. And like, yeah, I, I, I just, what even is reality? Like, honestly, I know that sounds yeah. sort of like, ugh, like, um, meta, but what, it's just one of those yeah. things where it's like, you can believe something. And like, I say that because, um, today I was on the bus and this guy came on with like a big, um, protester sign. And I can't remember what it was on, but it was like a very, extreme like christian messaging and this is not to like bash on religion oh, okay. at all like you know everyone has their own message yeah of course but like these are the yeah, people absolutely. that were like um i don't know if you saw them when you were in sydney but they're the people that stand outside town hall and kind of like say like the world is going to end at this time and you know and and oh they, yes yeah they really believe that like you can tell obviously yeah protest about something unless you really believe it and he came up of to me course. and he to, like give me a little pamphlet and you know obviously I just nicely declined I was like no I'm not interested in that which is fine whatever but I just made mm. me think about how you can read something and become so invested in something and then that becomes your reality and then that led me to the thought of like well then what even is real you know I believe this to be real yeah. and I feel like obviously I'm rooted in a certain level of like my what I believe to be true but and and that may not align with that other person and I think you know generally that is not what everyone agrees on but it just reminds me of like how 
easily our mind can be convinced into believing something is real, even if they aren't like, it doesn't even matter what facts are because we're emotional human beings. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like humans, they do, we, we tend to cling to things um, sometimes out of, out of fear as well, you know, clinging mm-hmm. to something because it keeps us safe. And I feel like in the psychology world, it's, it's easy for us to cling to psychology because if we think that we know everything about ourselves and how the brain works and everything, I'm not saying that we do. Um, every single psychologist will tell you that we, there are so many things we still don't know, but given us, it's given us that security to, to say, okay, well, we know that like this part of the brain does this. And, you know, if somebody does this behavior, it's projection or deflection Mm. or, you know, and it really gives everybody that sort of, I think it's a false sense of security to be honest, but I don't know, maybe other psychologists would flip tables if if they heard me say that. Um, But yeah, like what, what even is real? Like what is real? You know, what a tangent. Um, you're an yeah. Aquarius, right? Yes, absolutely. Aquarius Hello, sun, Aquarius Capricorn baby. moon. Yeah. Oh. Um, Capricorn moon and a Libra rising. So I'm, <laughs> I'm an advocate for social justice. I'm really quirky and I'm also a sarcastic bitch. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's Capricorn yeah. fire. What is Capricorn air? Earth. Oh. I'm nearly sure. Oh, nearly certain. Go. Yeah, nearly certain. Yeah. Nice, nice. Oh, that's yeah. And I'm yeah. A, I'm an Aquarius. What am I? I'm an Aquarius star sign. And then I'm what? What is yes. it? Star? Yeah. And then I'm uh, yeah. And then I'm so, a, oh sun and then moon. Sun, that's what I was looking for. Why did I lose that word? Aquarius sun, <laughs> um, Scorpio moon. So that's where all my deep emotional feelings come from. And a Sagittarius yeah. rising. So we've got a bit of air, bit of oh water. Mm. Oh my god, amazing. I know. So fast. But yeah, love it. I I love astrology as well. And I yeah, I, I love that conversation that you had with your um who who did you have the conversation with? Oh yeah, he was a, he is, sorry, a facilitator on my course. Oh, facilitator, yeah. Um, I'm really yeah. losing my words today. <laughs> um <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh because I think it is it's a way for you us to like respond to something you know so often we think we have to like sit in a room and just like think about what is going on or why I feel the way that I'm feeling or what I should be doing next but most humans not all humans but most humans are actually designed to go out there and like respond to things respond to different stimulus and that's where I feel like astrology can be really helpful obviously like it's always taking it with a bit of a grain of salt. Like I can't be like well I have this behavior because I have a Scorpio moon like that is then spiritually bypassing right so it's like finding the balance with that is obviously really important but using it as a tool to learn about yourself rather than be like I'm defined as this one thing I think that's where the magic is yeah for sure oh my gosh absolutely I love that you touched on that whole thing of taking responsibility for yourself and pushing your responsibility away from yourself just because you're an Aquarius son or something is yeah it's an interesting one for sure you definitely have to take responsibility for yourself while you're you know delving into it or whatever I find it I find a gas as well that like um so I love spiritual stuff I love spirituality Mm. and um I find it so funny that you know religion is a huge thing here on planet Mm. earth and um will not be reincarnating here but anyway (laughs) um take me (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Will not be reincarnating here for personal reasons. Um, but yeah, it, like religion is a huge, the huge thing here, and people really follow it and are really into it, which is which is perfect. But then we'll look at astrology and think, nah. Mm. And I'm like, that is fascinating to me. Like that's so fascinating. Um, and I'd often have a laugh with family members. Obviously, in Ireland, we make fun of each other that's how we show love and um, but oh, yeah. I'd often have a laugh with family members who who would kind of laugh at my like you know witchy ways and then I'm like okay you know you go ahead and you know take the blood and body of Christ and I will <laughs> go ahead and <laughs> look at the stars and we'll all be happy <laughs> like what does you know why why one over the other I just find that so fascinating how we reason with all of these things and how we deem something legit one thing legit and one another thing not legit at all I just think that's so amazing yeah it's and it is just I guess what we've been growing up around and what we've been led to believe is yeah 
that gives us a sense of like identity and security, just as what you were touching yes. on before. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's wild. Mm. <laughs> the brain, eh? <laughs> the brain. Um, okay. Yeah. I've got two more questions for you and then we'll start like wrapping things up. So my okay, first question for you is what's something that you're working on in yourself at the moment? That is such a beautiful question. Okay. So bringing it back to attachment, actually, I recently realized that I'm a lot more of an avoidant attachment style yeah. than I thought. I laugh because and... when you did the abundance, you're like, I'm definitely anxious. And then you did the quiz and you're like, I'm avoidant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, and I usually kind of, I, I don't like labels, but for this purpose, I usually label myself as anxious avoidant because I think mm-hmm. it can be a few, a few different types, but totally. I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely realized that I'm more avoidant than I thought, um, which is both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing that I realized that because I can work on it mm-hmm. and bringing it into my awareness means that I can, I can work on it so that hopefully in the future, my relationships get better. And then also I, I let more new relationships in. Um, but also it's kind of a curse and it's disheartening to know that that's how I've been living my life all this time. And it's a bit sad to think that that's the way that my brain has chosen to protect herself. Um, but I'm in therapy at the moment because every therapist needs to be in therapy. So um, my therapist is amazing. She's such mm-hmm. a queen. Um, so I was saying to her in my last session, I was like, I'm avoidant, let's fix this. So I'm about to start, I'm about to start work on that journey. It's going to be a long one, but I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. It's so interesting to me, like the more that I delve into attachment theory, because like, I'm just such an anxious attached person, which means I'm like, I just want to be so close to people all the time. And I just like love Mm. like keep getting all this like reassurance and whatever. But so many people, especially like all of my past partners, classic have been avoidant. And I just like, I can understand it. Like I can understand, oh, I'm pushing people away so that they can't Mm. get close to me and leave me. But I just am like the opposite of that. So it's just like, even though you understand it, it's like one thing to be able to then really be able to act on it, especially when, when you do feel threatened, you know, that our, both of our responses will just be completely different, which is so weird to think that when like the, the, um, event would be the same, but our responses are going to be totally different because that's the way that, like what you said, our brains learn to protect ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I feel like as well, looking back at my past partners, I feel like they've all been super different, but I think they've all been avoidant. Uh, so I'm kind of wondering if it's a case where I went for them to change my dynamic, you know, because then I would become anxious and I'd be like, oh, mm. he's not replied or oh, he doesn't love me. Oh my God. <laughs> I would become the anxious person. And then they would, and then as soon as we would break up, I'd be like, oh, thank God for that. Take a big deep breath, order a pizza. She's on her own again. This is perfect, <laughs> which is so funny. It's such a funny dynamic. I, do, I definitely have so much work to do. There's people listening to this being like, oh, honey, <laughs> honey, no, <laughs> I have so much work to do, but I'm looking forward to doing the work. Now oh it's my time. God. Yeah. No, well, yeah. no, I mean, we are, we're all at different stages in our journey and you have obviously done a mm. lot of work on yourself. And like, I have seen that in your own growth, like from, mm. you know, working with you all this year, which has been incredible. And we just all have different ways that we respond and that's totally fine. And now, like what you said, you bring it into your awareness and that gives you like something else to work on. But it's one of those really weird things, where, like what I was saying, like intellectually, you're like, okay, I know that I do this. But when a situation yeah. arises that makes you feel stressed, that's not in like a bubble where you are like sitting at yeah. home and I can know how to deal with it. It's like when you have an argument with someone and in that moment you're like, I don't know how to respond. So I just, you know, go to mm. autopilot. Then it's kind of like, yeah. Ooh, okay, how can I respond differently in that situation or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> attachment fun times yeah and can of worms exactly it is such a can of worms and if we had known about it earlier then we would have responded differently but whatever you know we're all on different stages on our journey as I always yes. say um Absolutely. my last question well did I was just going to ask you if you wanted to give a little bit of your experience of working with me because obviously you are a veteran which I love of all the programs yeah um <laughs> yeah share share a little bit about your journey <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I started my kind of, well, 
I started my self-development journey, you know, the day I entered planet Earth. But anyway, um, I started a big, big journey um, about a year and a half ago when I left a job that I just absolutely hated. Um, and I when I left, it was really it was healing time. Mm. And that's when I found your, that's when I found your podcast and I started listening to your, yeah. And I started listening to your podcast and I followed you on Instagram. Um, I really changed up who I followed on social Mm. media. I did like a big social media detox. Um, I bought a, a bullet journal and I've been journaling ever since. And February, I think it was February, maybe I messaged you about peaceful body first and I was like, geez, I think I'm going to go for this. And I did. And it was amazing. And I just loved every second of it. Um, Body image has been such a huge thing for me. I'm like, I don't know. It's definitely, again, I'll be doing the work on this. There's always work to be done. But I feel like I realized that when things go wrong, I blamed my body and how I looked. Mm. Because if, if I am the problem, then the problem can be solved. So it was like my way of taking control of the problems that arose in life. Um, that and if somebody particularly, yeah, yeah, particularly if somebody had wronged me, um, or even if it was like in a romantic relationship that went a little bit south, I'd be like, oh, I'm not pretty enough. That's why. Mm. Or, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fat in a bad way. Uh, fat is no longer a bad word in mm-hmm. my vocabulary but um it used to be and I would be like oh my god I'm fat and that's why this happened um but when I started working with you I was like mm, we're on to something new <laughs> we're on to something wonderful um and now like it's so funny because I used to not even be able to look at my body in the mirror I'd be like ew and what makes me really sad is that I used to like people are either going to be like same or they're going to be like I don't know what you're talking about but I'm going to say it anyway I used to kind of just like poke like poke my belly and be like ew like ew whereas now oh my goodness now I look down at my tummy and I'm like geez girl you're a little bit bigger but look at you like you're so cute like I have such a cute tum I have such a cute tum why why have I not ever seen is and like now even I'd get in the shower and I'd pass a mirror and I'd be like hey girl hey <laughs> like I'm I'm like so there's my cute tum or sometimes I'll be like geez I'm a little bloated but it doesn't it doesn't matter I just notice that I'm bloated and I'm like a bit bleh but it doesn't matter I'm like well yeah you're bloated you ate pasta today get in the shower you're grand yes. <laughs> it's not a bother on you do you know Whereas before I used to be like, oh my God, I'm so bloated. Or like you'd be going on a night out and I'd be thinking to myself, oh, I, like, I, I can't eat such and such a thing because I'm going to be bloated and I have to wear this such and such a dress. Like whatever, eat the pasta and put your dress on and dance the night away. Life's short. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I feel amen. like working with yeah. you has really taught me all of that. And it's all so important. Totally. And I love that how you said about the word fat, because that's another mm. thing that we word that we would just throw around not thinking about what yeah. it actually mean. Like fat isn't a descriptive w- word of your emotions. Fat just is a, no. A, it's a, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, it's just a way to just, it's a way to describe a, you know, extra tissue. It's not d- describing whether yeah. something's good or bad, basically. It doesn't have any like, yes. Yeah. Towards it. So it's yes. that self-awareness again of being like, well, what do I actually mean when I say this? And so often, for example, when we feel uncomfortable in our bodies or maybe we're feeling sluggish or maybe we're feeling bloated, we would just jump to yeah. being like, well, I'm fat and that means that I'm doing something wrong. But it, that's not, yeah. we're not directly related. Often it's just, okay, well, what am I actually feeling? I'm feeling uncomfortable. Change these pants. Where are the pants? I feel more comfortable. Don't wear any at all. And I instantly feel better. Yeah. And that is, that's why it's so important to be clear about what it is that you're feeling and what you're saying, because then you can actually find solutions to the problem. Yeah. I think for me as well, a lot of it was taking up space. Like as women, we're taught not to take up any space and the smaller we are physically, the better. And when I realized that I was like, I'm done with that there. Like I'm a tall gal. My body does what she wants. She Mm. takes up as much space as she wants. If she wants a bigger size in jeans, she can have it. 
she can take up that much space and more if she wants to whatever works for her like whatever works I feel like as well with clothes like clothing labels are so silly like so silly but also when you think about it if clothing companies had to make bigger sizes more often they would be spending more money so it's actually cheaper for clothing brands to encourage us to wear smaller sizes like um Topshop for example as always I don't know I don't really shop in Topshop and stuff at all but when I used to when I was a bit younger like you would always just see you know two maybe three sizes on the rail um, and that would literally be it but like when you think about it if companies like that made bigger sizes they'd be spending more money they just want us to be smaller so that they can make more money and have to spend less exactly literally it facts absolute facts yeah oh yeah totally and um I guess what would your advice be to someone who is considering doing like a program and they've never done it before because obviously there's always that certain level of nervousness but now obviously you've done three in 2020 go girl yes what would your advice be to it to investing in yourself and and you know allowing yourself because that's in a way taking up space for yourself you know yeah yeah for sure trust yourself because you know like if you are looking at this you're looking at it for a reason and if you're interested in thinking to yourself "Hmm, what's that you're thinking that for a reason and I feel like just trust your gut trust your intuition you always say our intuition speaks to us in nudges it fully Mm -hmm. does like when I first kind of started working with you I was looking at like the programs and things like that and considering things and I remember thinking to myself I really want to do this but I don't know why and like Mm -hmm. then I thought to myself the why doesn't matter like I don't have to figure out the why now it doesn't that that doesn't matter I know for a fact that I want to do this so I'm just going to go ahead and do it and see what happens and look at me in my cute tum now yes (laughs) Oh, I'm freaking love that. That's incredible. And I'm so grateful yeah. for that because it's been an absolute pleasure that our paths have crossed. And like, I consider you obviously yeah. a client, but a friend and like, hopefully one day we yes. can meet in real life. And it's just been an absolute yeah, absolutely. To to thrive and have your vibes in, Aww. in my world. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. I feel like I should probably wrap things up there. Um, was there anything else that you kind of wanted to, to end on or last little piece of info? I don't think so. I mean, follow me on Instagram, I guess. Definitely. Right? Like, 100%. Yeah. Promote that. Athena's Mind Veterinary is my, is my account. Pop it in the, in the show. Pop it in the show notes for sure. As one would say. <laughs> yes, I love it. She's so podcast savvy. You've got a podcast as well, don't you? Amazing. I do, yes. It's called Athena's Mind Veterinary. It's um, like a mental health podcast for the veterinary community. Real. Yep. I love that. Amazing. Well, Aoife, thank you so much for coming on. This was an absolute blast and um, enjoy the rest of your day because obviously it's morning time there, nighttime here. So thank you so much. I appreciate it endlessly. Thank you so much. Thank you.